This is the uh, monthly call. We hold the second Monday of every month. It's uh, Andrew Schlag and Aaron Schlag. We're on the phone hey. here. Yeah. Um, so if you're not a Gold Club member, you can listen in, but uh, can't participate. If you're a Gold Club member and have the code, uh, press star six to get in the queue to ask questions. Uh, we hold this once a month, uh, the second Monday of every month, to answer any questions you might have or for more information. You can sign up at ronsgoldclub.com, and we answer your questions and uh, go over any leads or deals you sent in before time. Uh, again, if you dialed in and used the code, press star six to get in the queue to ask your question. Aaron, do you have more to add to that? No, I believe that's it. We're looking forward to talking to you guys and going over the deals you guys sent in here. All right. Let's see if I can figure out how to unmute everybody. All right. That's all we got here. Hear anybody? I must still have it muted. How you doing? Rich, I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, I got a quick question. Uh, you know, when you, buy a property, when you buy a property subject to, um, if the uh, sellers later want to buy a house, and of course they may not uh, qualify for a loan because the banks won't give them full credit, uh, at that time, can you go back and change the deal and fix it and uh, create a wraparound mortgage? Well, uh, I guess there's nothing stopping you from doing that. I always recommend I, I kind of listen to the to the seller's you know tone and plans when I we go in to buy the house, uh, and if if I find an indication uh, that that's going to be a possibility, then you know do a wrap at the time of closing. But uh, but yeah, I guess there'd be nothing stopping you from doing it later as well. It'd just be a you know another closing and some additional documents. Okay, so there would be a separate closing, an additional closing. Uh, basically, yes, it would be uh, uh, documents, having your attorney prepare the wraparound mortgage and then, uh, you know, signing it, of course, at a later date and recording that. So, uh, again, I, I definitely recommend if, if you catch that from the seller that they're going to do that just to, you know, do the wrap at the time of closing when you buy the house. Yeah, you know how sellers' uh, lives change. But, uh, Absolutely. but although there would be a second closing, there wouldn't be any more transfer fees or anything like that. We're not changing who owns the house. Uh, no, not that I were. Uh, Aaron and myself uh, are in Indiana, which there's no transfer tax, um, so which is a beautiful thing. But uh, that I don't see any reason there'd be transfer tax for that because you wouldn't be, you know, transferring it. You're simply adding a document. So, 
Well, question? we have a 2% transfer tax in Pennsylvania, so I'm going to move next door to you. There you go. <laughs> I, real estate Steve, I don't, I don't know if he's on here or not, but uh, he's over there in Pennsylvania. He's killing it. So that's, uh, right. that's, a, that's, a, that's a good state. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome, Rich. All right. Um, let's see who we have next. I just kicked somebody out of the queue on accident, so I apologize. Any of you guys have questions? Or whoever I just accidentally kicked out of the queue. Again, I apologize. Dial star six and get back in, and we'll be happy to answer for you. Hello, Anthony. How you doing? Hey, doing wonderful. How you doing, man? Good, sir. Uh, my question is, uh, it, I'm not sure if it's on topic. However, if I own a property and it's basically in my name, in my wife's name, I wanted to know because I know Ron always talks about um, opening or, or purchasing a home in a trust. So I'm just trying to figure out, is there any way that we can transfer or create a trust and then transfer it into the trust and out of our names? Good question. Aaron, you want to handle that one? Um yeah, I mean you you can definitely uh, you can definitely transfer that to a uh, a trust for uh, you know your added security added anonymity. Uh, just you know you would definitely all you would have to do is uh, you know basically create a uh, warrant to need a trustee and uh, you know, sign that over to that trust. Andrew, you got any more to add on that? Absolutely. So yeah, you just create the the warrant to need a trustee, deed it to the trust, and. You know, obviously, you and your wife or whoever you choose be the beneficial interest uh, on that, and very doable. Good question, and uh, I, I love trust. Ron taught us a lot about them, so beautiful thing. Okay, thank you, man. You're welcome. Any other questions? All right. Anthony's gone. See, there's some others here coming in. Hello, Michael. Hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I can't complain. <laughs> awesome. Okay, awesome. so my my question is this. Um this is pretty cool. My neighbor is actually looking to own or finance his house. He's already agreed to it. He doesn't want any down payments. He wants to sell it for what it's owed, for what he owes on the property. The only issue that I'm having is when I'm trying to develop the terms, how do I come up with what I should charge the tenant buyer and rent based off what his PITI is? Well, uh, so a couple of answers to that, I would say. One would be Subject to deal. That's awesome. We love. We do tons of those. Uh, and number one, how I just, you know, obviously I want to 
you know, see if we can get more than, than we're paying out on the mortgage. But the main way uh, is we will a lot of times go to rentometer.com mm-hmm. and we'll see what the rents are in the area uh, or if you have uh-huh. a connection with a local management company or realtors who do a lot of rentals, ask one of them. Uh, but we, we normally get a feel for rent in the area and then we, uh, you know, are able usually to get uh, about what the going rent rate is and sometimes slightly higher where it's, uh, you know, Lease, lease option. Right, absolutely. Okay, that was pretty much it because that's what I was trying to figure out. But um, that that's pretty much the only question that I had. Yep. Any rent comps you can find, and something else I'll occasionally do. If, you know, if I'm on my way over to the house, if I see any rent for rent signs in the area, uh, a lot of times I'll grab the phone and call them uh, and ask how much they're renting for, how many bed and bath it is, and uh, you know, see kind of what's available in the area. But uh, in our area. Stuff goes so quick. There's uh, very little for rent, quite honestly, because uh, the market's hot for rent and and for sale. So, uh, good question. Right. Absolutely. Well, you know what? Let me ask this before I get off the phone. What's the easiest and fastest way to find a tenant buyer once I lock the property down? Yeah. So. I guess would be the main marketing methods that Ron and the Wolf Couple teach. I love the. And Jay, uh, Jay teaches some about that. I love the one-hour open house. Uh, we love okay. we love that. That's a way to fill them quick. But uh, as far as just general marketing, uh, you know, we do mm-hmm. uh, all the ways Ron teaches. We do Facebook. We do the Craigslist ads. We do our probably one of our number one ways of finding the buyer is the simplest way, which is uh, we do a uh, ugly yellow handwritten looking sign that says "Rent to Own Your Own Beautiful mm-hmm. Home." and it has a, the phone number on it, and then uh, pointer signs, yellow arrow pointer signs going into the property off of the main road from every direction. And uh, we, a lot of times, we'll get buyers to call off of those and, and sell them off the signs alone. But, you know, obviously we do other marketing methods as well. Absolutely. Okay, well, I truly, truly appreciate it. You're welcome, my friend. Good talking to you. Thank you. You have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Let's see. We got Michael's question answered. Anybody else that has a question, star six to get the cue. And we got Jose. Hello, Jose. Hey, how are you doing? Wonderful. How are you, my friend? Doing well. Hey, I have a question regarding pre-foreclosure. Yes. So when I say pre-foreclosure, I say when they already have their notice of default. Um, can you still put a property under contract while they're doing that process, or do you recommend getting the deed and then talk, and getting also the letter of authorization in order to talk to the banks? Yeah. So. Uh, Aaron, you want to take this one? Yeah, Jose. Um, so on a deal like that, I actually uh, one of our students had just asked me that question the other day. And uh, what I like to do is obviously uh, I'll go out and visit the home and I'll try to get uh, I'll get a purchase and sell on it, and I'll get uh, you know authorization to release information. And I like to get what's really going on with it, what the payoff amount is to catch it up, so so it can be reinstated if it's in that pre foreclosure. Phase, and I hate to not give you a straight answer, but it's kind of a it's a broad range there. I would I would not want to close on it until I knew that I had it uh, reinstated, and that's something you have to make a business call on. You know how much is that reinstatement amount, et cetera, et cetera. 
Okay. So you would have to bring it current in order to do any type of business so, and do it. So I would sale? I would want to know where it was at and then I would at at, at at right like simultaneously with closing on it, I would want to make sure that got reinstated. So I would want to know where you know, where we're at on that situation before I uh you know, before I closed on it. Um, you know, with the promise of catching it up and all of that good stuff. I would want to know where we, where we was at, and then obviously with the understanding, close on it immediately, reinstate it at the same time. Andrew, do you want to add to that? Yeah, that would be uh, definitely the preferred route. Uh, you know, there have been a couple instances where we closed on them and used, you know, simultaneously lined up a lease purchase buyer, and then, you know, immediately after closing, caught it up. But, uh, but yes, you definitely want to find out where it stands and that reinstatement. <clears throat> normally gives you a, a very good indicator as to as to where you are on it. So you folks are not doing short sales anymore? You wouldn't get the contract and then try to negotiate a short sale with the bank? We've done that on occasion. Uh, what we usually do, again, is just sign a purchase and sell on the authorization and then, you know, find out where it's at in the in the process. You know, if it's way far along and, you know, if you got to just throw out a number, you got a $200,000 home that's, you know, 40000 behind on the more it would probably be foreclosed by now. But, it, you know, if it's a tremendous amount behind and it's, you know, having trouble making sense, needs some work, uh, you know, we definitely do short sales. But, you know, we more often uh, end up catching them up, you know, than, than we do doing the short sell. I understand. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Hey, do you have a lead you sent in too, Jose? I did send a lead. Yeah, so I got that in front of me. Is there any questions on that I can answer for you? So the person wants cash, uh, lease. he wants to pay off his debt right uh, at closing. And then his wife yeah. says that, you know, they're not used to this type of creative uh, financing or, create, you know, creative ways of closing on, on deals, doing this type of stuff. So she was, uh, she didn't want to do that. So he wants uh, 117 for the house. Um, in my mind, the only thing that, you know, that I thought that I could probably get into this deal would be uh, maybe trying to find a buyer because um, he's still, his wife is still going to be living on the house. He said, hey, I don't mind doing a purchase and sale contract and then you finding a buyer and then coming in, you know, with 117 and the house is um, the comp say 130 or cool for the comparable. So in this market, and I've seen the looks like the mortgage payments at the top end of what you could get rent. Mortgage payments a thousand fifty. So he wanted to refinance the house because the the rent was so high, and but he never got to it. So he just wants to get you know rid of the house if he relocates. So my best bet would find to find a buyer that could you know owner finance maybe take I would take a a second, and then you know, do it that way where he, the, the payments are low. And I, I, I would preferably want to stay on the deal because he's close to a military base. So that would be a plus because that's the last place. If it stays in good condition, it will be rented all the time. Mm-hmm. So I, I love the deal. Uh, he owes 75, I see. So that's a good room between what he's asking and what he owes. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely, I would be wanting to get a purchase and sell on it in this market. You know, be very possible you'd sell it outright for one thirty and go back and you know renegotiate the number slightly with him and get you know make a good profit. Uh, the other thing that you could do, uh, obviously, you got to purchase and sell on it. Is you know always go back for a deal after the deal. Somebody come along with a 
great down payment, uh, non-refundable option deposit, and needed some time. You know, uh, if you shared a little bit of that with him, if necessary, he might change his mind on on uh, letting you take over that debt. But uh, definitely some potential there. Love it. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome, brother. Good talking to you. Have a good one. Yeah, you too, man. Have a All good right. one. All right. Jose's question to answer. Let's see. Hello. Oh, hello. Hey. Okay, you are there. <laughs> How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, I am in southeastern Wisconsin, if that helps. Um, yeah. Uh, my name is Mike. I am Hi. wondering you, uh, what your take on a duplex is. Uh, purchasing and owner financing and trying to do lease purchase to whoever would end up going in the side that's being vacated by the owner, but the other side is still rented. And I didn't know in your experience if that's a nightmare waiting to happen where, you know, the person you're putting in is responsible for maintenance and repairs of the other tenant uh, or anything like that that I should be aware of, or is it just not a good idea to do that with a duplex? You want to take this one, Aaron? Well, I, I can give my take on it, and then uh, if we're not too backed up with calls, you can give yours on it, Andrew. Um, we have uh, we've bought duplexes, triplexes, multifamilies. I'll be honest, we've never sold one uh, with owner financing like one side and made them responsible. I'm, I'm not going to say that it's a terrible idea, but I'm, uh, I would definitely say it could be an accident waiting to happen unless you have the right uh, investor-minded buyer uh, to put in there. So, I, I mean, I'm not going to say not to do it. I, I would be concerned about doing it. But I would definitely, if I was going to do it, vet that person very thoroughly uh, and, you know, obviously see what their motives, goals, et cetera, was. And if you was going to do it, I would also want to make sure they had a substantial amount down, uh, which you would want to anyway, uh, with any type of sell. So that would be my take on it. Andrew, what are your thoughts? Your buyer pool is definitely more limited. But yeah. uh, as Ron would say, you only need one per deal. Exactly. Uh, one buyer per deal. So it, it wouldn't scare me because as long as the terms were sweet, I would know there would mm-hmm. be a way to make money on it no matter what. Okay. Yeah, my my yeah. only concern was you know, putting a, a lease option buyer in there. Technically, they're just a tenant until they exercise their option. And like you said, they uh, – buyer pool is kind of limited because they might not want to be responsible for what the other tenant does because they don't really have control over that. And that was my yeah. concern as well. So. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's special programs out there for little or nothing down for people who want to, you know, kind of be in the very beginning stages and want to buy it outright, things like that. So, uh, you know, I'll give you an example. We bought a, a duplex three and a half years ago on our financing with nothing down and the payment's four fifty nine a month. Um, each side rents one side rents for six fifty and one for seven ninety five. So you know, I, it didn't scare me because I knew I got the option. You know, if I did find a buyer, I can sell it, or if I ended up, you know, continuing to rent it. You know, not that I want to be in the rental business, but it, it was a nice property and made sense. So as long as the terms are sweet enough, you know, you can you can have plenty of time to go find your buyer and and you know decide your exit strategies. Yeah, yeah, because the the guys the guy the guy is willing to uh, you know go out to a ninety day close. He's already agreed to make two additional mortgage payments beyond that, like Ron suggests we go for. He's not looking for anything down as long as I cover his payments. He's fine. It has eleven years to go on the loan, and he doesn't care when and if it gets paid off. 
uh, or cash That's out. Awesome. So it's, it's for it me, it's a, a great deal, but I, I didn't know if it was going to be a rat's nest trying to do a lease option tenant in there. <laughs> yeah, that, that could be the tricky part. But again, as long as it cash flows, you know, really, really well, that does not scare me. But, but you know, at the end of the day, your business decision, but we've done it and continue to do it, uh, you know, finding deals. And, and again, like I said, the reason I, I've got in them is I know uh, worst case scenario, I have a little cash flow till I, you know, found a way to sell them outright. So. All right. Fair enough. Thank you very much. You're welcome, brother. All right. Let's see. Hello. Hey, guys. Uh, my name's Stephen. I'm here in Florida. And um, my yeah, mm -hmm. I just had a closing. However, my attorney, he had the seller sign a quick claim deed and he made the guarantee uh, my company and not a trust uh so the deed has not been recorded yet uh, but how do you guys suggest uh, i go about that can, can they amend it aaron you want to take that one i didn't quite understand the, the the question on that i am sorry steve can you repeat that one more time yeah so the, the seller signed the deed however the attorney he had the seller sign a quick claim deed right and he didn't put the name of my trust he just put uh, the name of my company. Ah, gotcha. Well, I would I would run it by him. It sounds like to me there either needs to be an amendment or a re-signing. I would think you could do an amendment, but that would be a question for him for sure on that. Andrew, do you know exactly on that? That'd be what I'd do. Uh, I'd ask him for for an amendment yeah. or a re-sign because if it's not recorded, uh, you yeah. know that way because Ford's is transfer tax state. If I my memory serves me correctly, and you sure don't want to get stuck with that twice. <laughs> Right. Yeah, he's just, uh, what's worrying me is that he's out on vacation, and um, mm. uh, and the buyer, I have the buyer ready, but they're questioning why my name doesn't appear on title. So, you know, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose buyer. the buyer, but then it's like not doing anything for a whole week. This is up to you to not lose my buyer. I would, uh, I'd, I'd have my buyer, uh, you know, Number one, I would just establish the credibility and tell them, hey, you know, we closed at such and such title company. I recently bought it and it hasn't been recorded yet. Uh, and if, you know, if you really feel like it's going to lose you a chunk of money uh, from a buyer, I, I might even go so far as to, you know, set up for them to have a have a chat with somebody there at the at the attorney's office uh, to, to verify, you know, make them comfortable giving you that check or, or shoot, if they want to leave the check in escrow at, at your closing company until... Uh, your attorney gets back. And I would immediately be firing out an email to my attorney or, or his or her assistant there, secretary, to let them know what was going on and say, we need to rectify this immediately. What is your best recommendation? So, yeah, that would be yeah. good things. Okay. Yep. Great question. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. All right. Let's see. What we got next? Hello. Hi, this is YR calling from Florida. How are you all doing today? Hey. Wonderful. Ben, how okay. Are you? I am doing awesome, terrific, and great. So this is my first time getting on the Glow Club meeting call. I joined recently. Um, Welcome. I've signed up to go to the Orlando class coming up next week. Um, I have not done my first deal yet. 
So this is my question. I'm finding that even though I have the desire, I want to, I'm afraid to make a call. Now, Ron has said this over in his videos because I'm packed, jammed with information watching all the videos. <laughs> I'm finding that real, making the deal may be one of the easiest parts. I'm thinking that the, the your mental game, you know, coming over the mental gymnastics of what, you know, humans go through, the fear, the anxiety, the what if. Can you give mm-hmm. me some recommendations? Oh, my lens, yes. <laughs> uh, so I will, I will speak to that directly because uh, when I met Ron uh, in April of 2014, I was 21. I was $80,000 in medical debt and had essentially no money. I had to borrow the money for quick start and mentorship, and I was scared out of my mind. Um, so when I got on the phone, uh, it was it was a mental battle for me because, you know, I knew where I was, you know, currently, but yet I knew where I was trying to get. And so it was a, you know, I'm a very transparent person, always just very honest. And it was, you know, I felt like getting on the phone and talking to them about buying their house, it just, it was a constant struggle every day because, you know, I was getting told no. So I just mm-hmm. literally, I would watch the uh, the wolf's what to say, what to do. And mm-hmm. I would, you know, kind of pump myself up with that. And I always say I literally would say a prayer and pick up the phone and surprise myself when it started ringing uh, because if I thought about it too hard, I wouldn't make the call. Uh, so three, mm-hmm. three pointers I'll give you for making the call. One, I would hold myself accountable by telling a close friend or family member I was going to make calls that night. So the next day, they would be asking me. So accountability. And number mm-hmm. two... Uh, I would listen to the to the wolves what to say, what to do, get familiar with the scripts, uh, so that when I did make the call, I was more comfortable. And then the number three, mm-hmm. I would tell myself verbally out loud when I was really, really frustrated and discouraged and wondering if it's going to work because it was uh, four months. I got my first little wholesale deal, my first quick start, and after that was four months before I got my next deal. And so during that four months, you know, it was a it was a it was a struggle some days. So what I did is I would uh, uh, verbally and out loud tell myself, this is going to be an awesome deal. I'm going to make a ton of money on this deal. Like, I can't wait to talk to them. They're going to be so excited to hear from me. And I would be saying that right before I made the call. And when I made the call, uh, I was smiling. I was happy. I was excited. And, you know, 80% of them would tell me no. And uh, I would just hang up and do the same thing over again. This is going to be an awesome deal. I can't wait. I'm excited to get on the phone. I'm going to make a lot of money on this deal. And then, you know, as soon as I got to the 20% who did say yes, uh, I was like, I knew it was going to be it. <laughs> so that's kind of mm-hmm. how I overcome that. Okay. And my second question is for yes. somewhere somewhere in the videos, Ron talks about uh, uh, setting up a website so you can hire um people to do your calling for you, not the VAs that he has, but, you know, developing a website and letting people apply. So for those people, do you give them, do you pay them for the only the yeses on the strip call, or do you pay them for everything that they send you? He suggested uh, $3. 
Okay. Are, are you talking about the field agent system where people can take yes. the by owners yes. and upload them? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that would be through the Dream System, which you sign up for the Gold Club, one of the higher-level Gold Clubs, like the 297 or 697 a month, um, mm-hmm. I believe, is where uh, you would get the website in that. Don't quote me on that, but that's, that's – uh, or at the 297 level, I believe, where Aaron and myself are at, where you can buy hours, additional hours for VA, and then you can uh, uh, have it runs your website and all that for you. And there's a, a, a system that people can take for sale by owners and upload them in, and automatically every time they upload a for sale by owner, they get paid uh, for uploading it. Your VA still has to call them and pre-screen them, but uh, that, that you get more you know, leads coming in that way, more houses for sale. So even if you so you you pay them for every lead that they send you, regardless if the answer on the lead sheet is a yes or a no. Like in section A, is it okay? So you pay them for everything, okay? Yeah. And one one more, can I ask one more question? Do you have a mentorship yeah. program? Does the Glow Club have a mentorship program? Uh, so yes, the way that works is that uh, you go to the Quick Start, the four-day Quick Start Real Estate School, uh, mm-hmm. and that that alone is life changing. Because in in my mind, what the Quick Start School done for me and does for uh, everybody who comes in, it gives you the tools that you need, the knowledge, the tools, and then uh, after the Quick Start, which you can sign up for a mentorship prior, but you you to start the mentorship, you have to uh, uh, have attended the Quick Start, the four days. And the mentorship then is a uh, a weekly call, which you know helps keep you on track track with your goals and and uh, you know accountability. Okay, awesome. Thank you so very much, Jim. I appreciate question. you being patient with me. You're welcome. My pleasure. Let's see who we got here. Good Hello. evening. This is Kurtz from Dallas, Texas. Hey. Can you guys hear me? We sure can. Yes, we can. So I did a uh, yellow letter campaign after watching uh, four or five videos on yellow letters on the Gold Club. Um, I chose a out-of-owner list, uh, but most of the lists that are out-of-owners are basically you know, they own a house in a separate zip code really close by. Um, some of them were in a different city, and very few were out of, out of state, out of Texas. Um, uh, I sent about, I don't know, 300 letters, and I got like two calls. So I'm wondering if I did something wrong, if the list is wrong, uh, what could I try to get better results? from the yellow letters? That is a great question. And can you uh, remind me, cut out there a second, I think it was on my end, you said you sent out how many letters and then how many calls did you get back? I sent about 300 letters, Um, 10 10 were expired leads and probably about 300, 320 out of state. I got like two calls and one text message and that's about it. That's it. Okay. Um, and Andrew, I, I think you will have some more detailed stats on this, but I, I was just talking to a student of ours, and, and that's not incredibly bad. That's, that is not one of your best lists by, by, by any means as far as, you know, your callback, unfortunately. Uh, but I was talking to a student today who was just doing uh, a major yellow letter campaign, uh, 
and he, uh, ironically, is in Indiana. And he did not tell me what list he was sending, but he said he was getting about two calls back for every hundred letters he was sending out. Andrew, do you have the stats on that? Yes, that's a poor response rate. Uh, yeah. When I've gotten that kind of response rate on my mailing, uh, one of two things, and normally it's one thing, normally it's been a bad list. Uh, I bought absentee owner lists. We've done multiple mailings over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've only had about one or two times that the list were really a flop where we only got a 2 or 3% callback. Uh, but if you're only getting a 2 or 3% callback and you're doing the yellow letters like Ron says, yep. uh, you know, with just a handwritten-looking yellow letter being mailed out, tucked in, you know, identical to the way Ron says, definitely going to be a bad list if you're only getting 2 or 3% callback. Yep. Uh, our lowest on a good list has uh, been about 10%. And our best on a good list has been about 28% callback. So I'm, I'm following Ron's um, handwritten letter. Actually, I hand wrote most of them myself. So oh, they wow. are actually handwritten. And I didn't get 3%. I got two or three calls from 300. So that's less than 1%. Where did you get your uh, list from? Uh, list source. Try, uh, and I've, I've used ListSource too. Try, um, and we've used this one and had some, some success, and it, I got it from Ron. Try Melissa Data. And what have we had? What, Maybe what, one bad list from Melissa Data. That's it. Yeah. It's what, MelissaData.com. I, I can't hear you. If you can spell it, that would be awesome. Yeah. Melissa, like, uh, like a girl's name, Melissa. Mm-hmm. And then data, yes, and then data, D-A-T-A. What, 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 uh, what sort of list do you suggest I start with? This is like was my first uh, campaign, but uh, you know, I tried out of owner, but I'm not sure if I should buy something else, or is there a, a filtering that I should apply to the out of owner? Like I did some filtering where they have at least 100K, on their house, uh, mortgage, something like that. So I would call Christy King, the yellow letter lady. I believe it's yellowletterlady.com. And uh, I would ask her, her opinion. She does yellow letters. Wonderful uh, lady. Christy does a great job. But I would ask her uh, for her, you know, most recent updates on what she's seeing work in your area because she does a lot for for Ron students uh, around the country. Uh, but for us personally, absentee out-of-state owners has been success. we got a student right now doing amazing with vacant, all vacant property mailings. Uh, but, again, I would, I would check with Christy and see what's working great for her, uh, for the students in your area right now. Uh, she, she would no doubt have some great pointers for that as well. But you definitely think it's the list. I do, yes. If they're handwritten, they're yellow letters, and they're tough like Ron says, that's the only thing yeah. left in my mind that it could be. Okay. I'll, I'll give it another try. I'll go to melissadata.com and um, search right. me a list Sounds and give it a try. Thanks, guys. Mm, thanks. Thank you. All right. Let's see. Hello. Who we got? Hi. How's it going? This is uh, Robert from South Florida. Robert. Robert. I hope you, you guys had a nice 4th of July. We did. Thank you. Cool. So listen, quick question for you. Um, We're just going through some of the classes here, and 
one of the questions that came up is when you have a tenant buyer installed in and they go ahead and put down that non-refundable deposit, will the bank recognize that um, when they go to get uh, qualified for a loan or are they essentially just starting from scratch to come up with a down payment? Robert, that is a great question. I, uh, as far as their down payment, the way we do it, I, I always check with a couple of my mortgage lender friends, or I did when I first started out, to make sure that we was doing our best to help our tenant buyers. And um, mm -hmm. what they advised me, and I would, I would recommend you do the same thing in your area with a couple of your mortgage lenders that you have connections with, they advised me to make sure that it, you know, it came through a traceable bank account. Obviously, we required it to be in certified funds. Uh, you know, some of our people like to try to put cash down. The only way we would accept that is if it came from a bank account where we could trace that it pulled out of, uh, yep. so that they were able to track that separately uh, from anything else they paid, you know, any other type of closing fees or anything like that. We would make sure it came out separately. Uh, that's the way our bank underwriters like to see it for our tenant buyers when they do go to get qualified. Okay. And then so and then they're able to apply yeah. that toward the down payment or toward the purchase price of their home, like they're you know they're three percent down or whatever it might be that a bank would require once they get approved. They'll be able to apply yeah. that at that point if it's been done properly. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Because that was our you know the big worry was that okay these poor people would come in they put down you know ten percent and then it only take off ten percent of the purchase price but then they're trying to come up with you know, 20 percent or whatever. Yeah, 20% or 3% if it's a really good type of deal. Yeah, no, uh, that's the we, way we did it. But I would recommend you talk to if you've got some lenders there and just get, you know, bounce it off of them. Go ahead, Andrew. As I said, we have a mortgage company we've been using here for uh, quite a while, Robert, and doing a wonderful job. But the lady uh, who was our main mortgage lady at that company uh, left and went to Quicken Loans. And so we uh -huh. switched people at that company uh, to stay with the company and he called me and um, our person who was getting qualified for a house they put 25000 down on a $200,000 purchase price uh, about 11 months ago on a lease option and uh, yep. Anthony the lender called me and, and uh, said you know they was going to have to put down I believe an additional 6000 or seven or something of that nature and uh, so I got the question and, and I got to thinking about it and I thought he has mixed up and he had adjusted that, and he had them at a purchase price of uh, 175, the 200 less 25. And so I had to explain to him, uh, you know, how that, you know, we do it, uh, and and to make the purchase price 200 and count the 25 down. And uh, he said, "Oh, I got to talk to my boss." He went and talked to his boss, called me right back, and says, "You're absolutely right." Uh, so so definitely, you know, ask them going in, and then uh, you know, if, if a lender. Uh, for some reason, can't do it. Uh, you can you can find a different a different lender or uh, explain it to them and and you know make sure they can. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That that's good to know because yeah, I, I don't want to leave a tenant buyer high and dry and you know create a bad reputation, do something like that that kind of hinders you from moving forward to get more deals in the future. So that that's that's good to know that you can work with local. Definitely lenders. a great question. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. And as long as they've put substantial down and had a good pay history. Uh, you know, I mean, short of them just going out and doing something crazy or having a you know horrible medical emergency in the meantime, you know, we we haven't found it to be uh, too awful difficult to find you know a good lender that can that can work with it. So, okay, cool. That's good to know. Thanks, guys. You're Thank welcome, you. Robert. All right, I believe we got one more here. 
Well, maybe Robert's the last one. Or right. somebody else just looped in or no? Hello? I guess Robert was it. So uh, thanks, guys, for being on. It was a pleasure. Uh, hopefully that was enlightening, as always. And uh, don't forget the monthly call, the second Monday of every month. And uh, we'll see you guys at a at a quick start soon and, and uh, or in the mentoring program. And uh, best of luck. Have great success. We'll talk to you next time, my friends. Bye for now.